This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Tellus interviews Jason Reynolds. Jason invites us to move beyond the philosophical chatter into deliberate action. Jason facilitates powerful organizational architecture and the development of a personal governance required for long-term success. He is passionate about the everyday hero and in particular the next generation, yet his career spans across progressive multinationals, successful entrepreneurs, and elite performers upon various stages. His work is focused upon the individual becoming their authority, establishing their state of personal governance required to explore sovereignty. He speaks deliberately and profoundly into embracing the chaos we create, providing a proven navigation to embrace the unknown within all of us. He is not focused on changing the world, but having individuals change theirs, inspiring others to do the same by the example they provide. His teaching is confronting and unconventional, but inconveniently simple. He asks you to see the obvious and take action into life by activating an undeniable yet powerful frequency signature. Jason's work with the quantum movement may just re-establish what we know about self-healing as clients consistently move beyond terminal diagnosis. Going against the common approach, Jason maintains a low profile. He has not sought followers or growing a community. Instead, setting people free to follow an unencumbered pathway within. After 20 plus years, Jason is now in process of exposing and launching his life's work. Here is the interview with Jason Reynolds. In your own words, who is Jason Reynolds? Uh, Jason Reynolds is a um, explorer. Uh, uh, a seeker of um, understanding. I'm a father. Uh, I love uh, the outdoors. I, I love being barefoot. For me, it, it's about as much as I can confronting the things in my life that, that I haven't um, experienced as yet. Uh, I really, it's a real importance to me to be, um, you know, to, to be in the question and to be asking the question rather than to see things as I've already and all, always been. Right. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Before we talk about self-expression and everything else in between, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. 
The first one is, what is life to you, Jason? Uh, life to me is, a, is an expression of understanding. It's really, at, at first, uh, I think it seems to be what it's not. Because for many of us, it's, it's what we've been shown or exposed to from others. And I think life starts to become more relevant once we get into a place where we can start to take responsibility for the things in our life that we don't want, that we don't like, when we can start to make decisions and choices and become responsible for them. I believe without doubt that, that a child, you know, in his early years, and I think this has been consistent through history, that up until about 13 years of age, that a child is there to present a gift to those that bear them, you know, their, their parents, and to present to them to the things that they don't love, appreciate, or understand about themselves. But it's from that particular time onwards that, there's a, I say, a transition where a child is then in the presence or the shelter maybe of the parent um, and they have a, a period of six years or so to find themselves and to take responsibility under the guidance and safety that's provided by those parents. But I think we see a lot of things in life where expression is so stunted because a lot of our society, especially as a parent and as an adult, we become so caught up in knowing everything. Um, even if we don't know, we've got an opinion about it and we, we don't allow ourselves to learn. Uh, we don't allow ourselves to ask questions. We, you know, this nature of an ego or this ultra identity is caught up in the fact of all the answers that we have rather than the fact that an adult has the ability to say, I don't know. And that's, um, I believe, children um, to be ex not little people that need to be told what to do that they need to be protected. Uh, to me, it's about letting them run wild. It's about letting them discover. It's about letting them fall over, letting them get muddy, letting them get dirty so we don't get caught up in the, the frailties that we're led to believe as a victim of life that you know, such thing as a virus or anything outside of us has control over us. Um, life begins at the uh, determination of your own truth, not what we're told by others. And, and I think that's where, for me, the, everything we're experiencing is a part of that, but it's... Um, it's it's about the elevation to me and the confrontation of what's not true, meaning when I say true, I don't mean that there is one truth. I mean there's an individual truth and for us to be able to have the unique capacity to stand up and represent who we are without caring or concern for how it may affect or impact another. That's something that belongs to the receiver of what it is that you may be putting out. So, I mean, that's... There's a thousand ways that answer could go, but I mean, that's just what's coming at the moment. Sounds very good to me <laughs> and very true to me. Um, what would you say is the opposite of life? Uh, um, doing what you've always been doing, staying where you are. Life, um, you know, I suppose going back to the previous question, to me is movement. So stagnance uh, is the form of, you know, not death, because I think death is a great thing as far as we're doing it each and every day when we let go of things that we were once attached to. Um, it's the ending of a relationship. But um, stagnance and staying the same and standing in one particular place um, is where we start to age, is where we start to deteriorate. When we stop asking questions of life, where we start to suggest that we don't need the things in our life, where we start to lose our faculties, we start losing our capacity to, to love, to communicate, to express ourselves because we've decided where we are is right and there's nothing else that would change. 
we effectively become stuck. So to me, the opposite of life is the, the choice to stay rigid and exactly where I am um, without movement. Yeah, yeah. You said energy exists to express itself. We are all life itself. We are trying to express the energy that we are. So staying with my warm-up questions, the next one's about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Well, the, the meaning of freedom uh, is experienced in the moment. So it, it's, it's a choice to be able to do it and be what you want in that particular moment. Um, the experience of freedom comes in, in many different ways. Um, an ability for an individual to be able to express themselves um, is an absolute form of freedom. Um, the, the ability to be able to do and be and, and move the physical level is, is another form of freedom. But to me, it's about an expression. Um, but freedom comes in the inability or the progressing past the need or cause for ourselves to censor what we are, to limit what we are, to, to live in a space beyond this particular time. So when we start thinking of consequences, we are, we're imprisoning ourselves. When we start thinking of um, responsibility and the impacts that we will have upon others, when we start thinking of goals and we start living in the future, we're not free. We're, we're, we're not able to change anything. We're under an illusion that we're trying to change something. The only time we can change something is, is right now by the doing of it. And to me, that's not about a high exertion of, of energy or activity. It's about at any particular time, any moment, being present to what the truth is for you. So if that is to lie in a hammock, if that is to read a book, if that is to go to sleep in the middle of the day, if that is to start a project, if that is to create a video, or whatever it may be for you at that particular point, freedom exists in the degree in which you can communicate with your own true self and then act upon that without needing or concerning or consulting anything outside of it. I absolutely love that. It sounds very spiritual to me somehow. I mean, what do we call it spiritual? I was just wondering here, in order to experience true freedom, it seems like we need to practice not thinking. Because <laughs> thoughts, they're constantly in the past, in the future, as you mentioned, and we know this. So by trying not to think, that already takes away freedom. Absolutely. And that's, um, so I would suggest that there's two states that we can be in. One of them is thinking and one of them is acting. And when we get uh, seduced by certain words and so I'm going to think about that, that that's, a, that's an oxymoron in itself. And I don't believe people actually go into a process where they suddenly go into a thinking um, ideal. It's when we understand something, we then take action, we express it, and, and we, we execute that in order to complete it. You know, our infinite nature can be defined by our ability to identify and receive information from a source that we trust, then to be able to make a decision upon that and follow that all the way through to completion. Now, that would allow us to, to, to bear a thought, an awareness, which I would say, which I'd call it, and from that awareness, what comes from within us to create something that's very unique and different, which for many of us, where it causes judgment and scrutiny as we start to create something that hasn't been created before. But it's our capacity and our determination to be infinite is by to, from nothing, have an awareness, from that awareness, act upon that and 
do it all the way through till it's complete. The problem is with most of us is we get distracted along the lines of what other people want or what we believe they want or what we believe that they need. The, um, and, you know, I, I think that's, that's a really important part is for us to find a, a place beyond our mind, it's, it's a frequency. Uh, and we, we all do this and we all are capable of it and we do it randomly and occasionally when we feel good where we experience one voice, where, where we can find what some of us would call confidence. The problem is what we, what we have become subjected to is that we're a result of the environment around us rather than we are the dictator or the determination of the environment around us. So when we start to change that, we start to realise that the thoughts that we have in the past or, or the future are all about when we focus upon our mind, which is just the recording of everything that we've experienced up until this particular point in time. It is the recording of that and then our perception upon that and how we overlay that into the future. Now, when we are connected to ourselves and we learn to do this, we don't have a mind. The mind is the gap that exists between when our physical vessel and the, the cargo, the, the gift inside of us, is integrated as one. So when, when our physical and energetic are working together as one, we don't feel sick. We don't have illness. We don't have disease. We don't have fear. We don't have pain. And all of these things start to come as we start to move forward. But the thing is to understand it, it's not some blissful, idyllic state. Because as we move forward, we're going to find something else that may confront us, that may take our attention away from this state of connection. And as much as this ideal state is there, when we are disconnected from that and we feel pain and we feel sickness and we feel disharmony, loneliness and, and all of these other things, the problem is for most of us and what we try to do and what a lot of practices try to do is try to fix these types of things. The truth is, what I've understood and what seems to keep working is we use that pain as an indication that I am not in an integrated state, that I am not connected. The fact that I'm feeling sick, lonely or whatever it may be is just a representation of my disconnection to myself. The chaos that I'm experiencing in life is just not chaos that I need to fix, not that I need to change, not that I need to address. But first of all, I need to get myself back into an integrated state where I'm in communication with myself you know, sitting around my own board table and with all the people that are most focused upon me for my greatest good are there and present. And when I can do that, then I can move forward and I don't get caught up in a loop of fighting with my own thoughts or discussing opinions with others or getting caught up in what might or could happen. I start to focus upon what is coming through me in that very moment and I can start to try to change the way that I want to live my life based upon the fact that I am the creator of that, not the fact that I'm fighting against thoughts, reactions that are generally and most often not my own. Uh, the question that comes to mind is how do, we, how do we do that when we have learned to live so disconnected? Yeah, I would say for me, and look, I went down this path a lot to find the same thing is that there's this idea of being positive and being gracious and, you know, self-affirming and consistently doing so that, you know, for some practices we might sit there and focus upon what we want or we might be self-affirming and we might look at the gratitude of life and the bliss and everything else that exists around us. 
But the thing is, that, that requires a lot of work, a lot of effort, and a lot of energy. And the only reason that we're convincing ourselves that we're grateful or we're convincing ourselves that we're, we're happy or we're convincing ourselves that great things come into our life is because what's left when we take all that away doesn't represent that. And we keep trying to overlay on the top and be positive. We've got to be positive. We've got to be positive. But that creates this polarity of the person who's positive out in life who is dark and and deconstructed internally. So the, the practice must be, in my understanding, is that we need to focus upon and take attention to our own darkness, the things that we've not prepared or refused to listen to at any time in our life. And it's, it's ability just to understand from my awareness is everything in life and I think it's just at the start, life's unpredictable. Everything in life is unknown. You do not know, no matter how aware you become, from any level of intuition, of what will happen next. You have an indication and a feeling, but you never know. So to me, the only way to move forward in life is to develop a system where you can navigate the unknown. And that's about accessing a capacity within our own selves, which is inherent. It's not something like intuition that we learn or we're gifted with or we're born under the right star. Intuition is just the interpretation and of energy as information. It is nothing more than that. And the thing is, most of the time our intuition, which we can have in our ego, is pointed to other people because our focus is upon impressing others, uh, satisfying others, living up to others, being a part of society, doing the right thing. And very rarely is that intuition focused upon our own self. And it's kind of like a light that's too bright for many at times when we look at the sun and we can only do it for a short period of time. That's the practice of being able to see the truth of what we are. And yes, initially, what the darkness that we confront is very much the lies that we've been telling ourselves, how incapable we are, how we, it's not the right time in life yet, that we won't make it, that we're not going to get there. And all of these things that we first become confronted by, we don't want to hear that. It's not positive. It's not nice. It's not joyous. But if that conversation continues internally and it's unopposed that's what we continue to keep fighting against but if we understand how to go into that space navigate that space and we can start to create a truth rather than these lies that we've picked up and we continue to keep perpetuating we can then start to focus our intuition by choice upon our own self not on the outside world which is you know, why there's so many sick healers, why there's so many um, sad psychics and mediums and everything that are out there is because the focus of, has become upon other people. Upon, and we're all good to do that. We all have an amazing ability to have insight or intuition or guidance for others. We're, we're brilliant at it. We, we can go into anyone's life and we can see what they should be doing because we're not attached to the stories. We don't need a skill or a course or anything to be able to do that. We just need an ability to express ourselves and having an audience who wants to listen. But that's not where the work is, and, and that's that's the, the very much the surface of what I'd say the false coaching that goes on in most parts of life. There's that people have a, you know, they hear a new voice, they have a new excitement, they feel good about themselves, but it's our ability to confront the very darkness, the very lies of the censorship that we've been, been playing on ourselves. So if we can learn, and what I would teach is, the navigation of that unknown, which ironically is we don't know because everything in life is going to be chaotic. 
when you first start doing something, it's, I mean, we can't organize, organize something that's organized. You know, and, and energy itself, you know, energy itself is the, it seeks highest form of organization. It seeks its highest purpose. It's, and, and the very thing is, when we first step into a new place, a new relationship, something we love. I mean, even what I would say, going and jumping in the ocean, there's a chaos that happens and a stress that happens just as we're walking in, even if it's a hot day when the water is just about to hit our belly line. Like there's a coldness that, that overcomes us. But it's in the ability to choose what to do and to move past that that we start to find joy and happiness when we go past the stress, past the darkness, is when we start to determine what the truth is. And the more we do that, we then find there's nothing to fight against. And I would say it's what we're all avoiding at the other side of this is the ability to see ourselves as the creators of our own life. Because look, for many of us are falling into complaining about what other people have done wrong, rather than, and as you see this everywhere, you know, at the moment on in a social arena is that people are polarised on each side and they're still fighting on what's right or wrong and who's right or wrong, conspiracy theories and ideas and opinions. But the real focus on what I'm driving people towards is, and that's irrelevant. It's insignificant because the next thing will come, the next thing will come is how do I take my attention away to focus upon myself to create something significant in my life? Because that's where life begins, when you start to create something that has never been created before. And that's where we don't need to sit and ask ourselves a question, you know, what's my purpose in emblazing a statement on my wall so that everyone knows what I do. But it's in the choice to start to put attention upon ourselves to create something that never has been that we trip over and we become our purpose without actually looking for it. Right. And that is, seems so simple in a way and easier than the other way around, living by programmings and um, being controlled by our own beliefs, false beliefs. But it's, but it's not in a way. It takes more effort. And maybe that's why most people don't go there. Yeah, it saddens me a lot of times, but I also understand that I cannot change anyone, so I don't try to do that. Maybe I do in different ways with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, how do we stop doing that? Like you, you have kids. How do we learn to uh, let humans just to be who they are, just to be free and express themselves? Yeah, okay. I think this is a that's a great, great question. And I've, what I've found in life, in my experience, is that generally when you're seeking the truth, and to me, truth comes that when that action is taken, it benefits everyone in, in different ways. So when, when it's only benefiting one, that there's a you've stopped well short of what the, the pure or the, the full expression of that thing is or could be. So for me, like an expression, it's not about expression which makes expression powerful. It's a developing the capacity to listen and listen without under, listen without an agenda, listen without wanting to respond, you know, and, and you can listen to yourself in such a way that you'll know you've listened to someone and you care what they're saying by determining one thing. At the end of them, they're speaking, are you asking them a question or are you giving them an answer? Those people that are continually giving an answer are defending their own ground or protecting themselves rather than actually listening to the other person. Now, one of the things I do with, I would recommend, you know, that anyone does. And this, this is, my, my teaching is all about using what you've already got, the simplicity of it, not some ancient 
process that's requiring different elements, different learnings. We've, we've already got what we need. It's um, we can go down a pathway of, of discovering and learning. So in the ancient secrets, we always come back to the same thing. And I went through this journey for 10, 15, 20 years of my own exploration to come back to the most simple thing that if I was shown at the beginning, I would have dismissed it because it was too simple. It, it needs to be more complex. But for example, one thing that you can do and is extremely confronting is I is with your partner is you can sit and have a space where you speak every night. And I mean every night, not, not occasionally, but every night for 15 minutes, maybe half an hour, where you go in and you explain to that person what you don't understand about them, um, what it is that you love about them, and what it is about them that challenges you. Right? And you can take it in turns doing that. But the key is to this without response. You don't speak about those things. You don't go and say, hey, what you said yesterday, are you okay? Is everything right? Because you're taking away from that individual's ability to go discover that themselves. Now, when you start to do this is you create a space where people allow themselves to actually talk. I mean, I had a, a friend with some his daughter that was going to therapy. And she said, oh, she hated it at first, and now she loves it. I mean, who, when we start to consider, who wouldn't love a place where they can go and speak and let themselves go without being judged? That's what we all seek. I mean, that's ultimately what love is, is an ability for someone to appreciate your, the different things about you, not the same things. I mean, that's what gets us together in the first place, but it's the appreciation of what's different. So to be able to sit in your own home, and I do this with my son on the way to school, is that we will talk openly about what is it that you love, what is it that makes you, that I do, that makes you sad. And to speak openly and freely, that is a significantly powerful thing. And I, su- I would suggest, I'm not a medical doctor, but I would suggest that every single disease, and I only say this because I've observed it, that every single disease, every single condition from Parkinson's to cancer to whatever it may be, is rooted in the fact of how much energy we give to others that limits our own ability to express ourselves. And when we start to reclaim that expression, we don't need vitamins, we don't need supplements, we don't need pharmaceuticals, but it is a requirement of courage. It's a requirement of application. It's a requirement of self-discovery and understanding because if you're not here to discover and understand yourself, you're basically here to die. You're here from the false pretenses. And the very nature, you're trying to kill off the very part of you that is here to express itself. And that's, um, so to me, to have a space where, and I would say you could, you could, you could measure the richness of your life by the amount of people that you can speak to without being judged, that you could actually go to, who do you know in your life that could come to you and say, Valeria, you know what, you're really conceited and I don't, you, you're rude and arrogant, you're so self-centered. And if you don't get past this, you're going to lose a lot of people around you. And you really need to understand this because it's abusive and well, who do you know that could come and say something to you that would possibly end the relationship that you have, but that you could allow that to be heard? Because that's what a friendship is, not what we did on the weekend and how you, I'm good, you know what the kids have been doing. The relationships that we have when we talk about other people, they're not relationships, they're just existence. The relationships that we have when we talk about creating things that haven't been done, that we get down to what are we existing for? And, you know, I'm not talking about this every night of the day. There's time for jokes and fun and love and mischief and hijinks and laughing at ourselves. But 
that's all, that all happens a lot of the time. The problem is the other times we're not allowing ourselves to discover what we are by putting ourselves in compromising or challenging positions. It's, you realise how much you know your partner when you sit in front of them and you start actually having to say, know why I love you or what it is that challenges me about you and be fearful at some point, are they going to leave me because of what I just said? That's when you're alive. You know, uh, going into deeper parts, I would say the relationship, for me, when you have a true relationship in yourself and you value yourself significantly, you should be questioning the very relationship that you're in with every other person each day because, you know, if it's true to you and you trust the information from within you, well, you're going to confirm every day that you're in the exact space that you need to be. You know, and that's part of a relationship. Are we there to own someone or are we there to set them free? And that's, um, you know, for me in my work, the, the whole focus of this, and I believe every educational avenue should be leading towards creating independence in another person so that that individual is with you because they choose, not because they need you, not because they require you. That, that's where we start to look at you know, death and, and dying and um, the opposite of living. So true. I love when you talk about judgment. You said something incredibly true to me, that a non-judgmental approach is love. I think, well, you know, we all judge. There's nothing wrong with judgment. I think judgment is essential for life. There's these spiritual circles that talk about new age philosophies that you can't judge, you shouldn't judge. I mean, judgment is essential. It's required for your life. You can't walk across the road without judgment. You, you can't come to, to love or find you know, a partner that resonates with you without judgment. The issue is, like anything, is when we hold on to it, when we become stuck in that space. Because it's when we're still judging someone for what they were when we met them five years ago compared to them now. That's that guy that always does that. I don't want to speak to them. You know, that's... That's, that's not progressing. That's where we become owned by the past. So uh, judgment is essential. But, you know, it's not until we can go into our own darkness and we can recognise our own sinister behaviours that are not our own, that are not natural, and we can start to recognise how we've become hypnotised or seduced by other people's information through life, that we can start to have a place where we can not judge others because we can see and recognise that in ourselves. And that's, you know, there's very many people will judge someone by what they see because they live in a surface-based reality and they continue to complain about everyone not serving and doing for them what they'd expect because they work not on what the truth of what they are but what they see and what they hear and they're, they're very much a slave to the, their physical senses, which is, you know, probably our lowest form of intelligence which we for the majority of us, we continue to keep using as a discernment of truth. But it's, you know, we, we've got to get to, for me, I um, I think the most, powerful, the most powerful thing that I have come to understand and learn are the most simple and obvious things that are not esoteric awarenesses or understanding. I've been through all of those. Well, not all of us. I've been through a number of those, let's say. But, um, you know, attention as a word. Attention without reason is to me what love is. That when we can give attention to someone else without an agenda, without a need, without a requirement, without anything to fulfill, but attention without reason. Now, when we can do that to ourselves, I mean, and I would challenge people to do this, and I do this a lot with uh, people that are well practiced in meditation life, but to bring 
attention to our own self in, in a real way. First of all, we have to understand what we are, not who we are, but beyond that, what we are. And when we can bring attention to that, we start to feel a resonance that is unusual and unparalleled. And for many of us, what we start associating when we step into a place that's unknown or unfamiliar, we call that anxiety. And anxiety then becomes this feeling, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to suggest that it's a bad thing. And what I'm going to do every time I go into that, I'm going to make it worse. Rather than coming from an idea where we've got this magnificent bodily function and the way in which it works is phenomenal. If we took time to understand that, it would be amazing. But our own bodily function, how could we ever possibly think that anything that's happening to us or through us is there to destroy us or bring us down? How do we start from a point where something that is occurring to us is not in favour or not in elevation of us? And this is the fight that we have consistently against, you know, what, what would we bring energy to ourselves to make us feel sick or uncomfortable? That's a story we've been told. And our own lack of liberation and lack of questioning causes us to accept what it is so that we believe that we need some sort of temporary measure like a pharmaceutical, which I, I think pharmaceuticals are essential to require because people need temporary fixes because they don't want to take responsibility for themselves. These things to me are not evil. These things only exist because people are evil to themselves. They don't look deep enough with themselves to find an answer that supports that. And that's, um, you know, I, I really look at, you know, things as simple as attention it is, it is everything. I would suggest that attention and there's studies on this as well. Attention is more important than any food. It's many more important than anything else that exists. It's our, our very life force that exists within us. I you know it's come under the guise of many names from Brahma to God to the higher self. The very nature of our attention and our control over something so significantly powerful is our biggest ignorance. We, we don't understand that, that by our attention, we can enliven and change someone's life. By our attention to information and understanding, we can change our own. By our attention and our maintained attention on anything, we can change anything that exists in front of us, a relationship, a construction, solid, intangible, whatever it may be, that when we focus our attention, there is nothing, not one thing that stands in our way, not a disease, not a condition, not anything in life. And that's, um, uh, I would suggest, for me, if that was that's that's a big part of a practice that uh, to me I teach is forget about all the stuff of we need to read and research and learn and have opinions. It's first of all to become the director of your own attention, and when you can do that, that's when you start to realise and reconcile all the things in your life that are irrelevant and not important. And that's where liberation comes. You know where you can say no, I don't, I don't need that, I don't want that. I actually haven't had the time to even ask myself, what do I want? But I've made sure of what does my husband want? What do my kids want? What does my family want? What is, but um, am I weird and crazy enough to have a conversation with myself? <laughs> this is something that I come across all the time. It's like it's the, it's the hardest thing to do, the most challenging thing to do. It's not to um, please other people. Try We want to be connected and we ended up sacrificing our own integrity and what we are. What about the balance? Like, can we do that, liberate ourselves and at the same time love others and connect with others? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's to me, this is what the whole simplicity of all of this is, is that when we're focused upon others, we'll always be unfulfilled if we're not doing it to the same degree at minimum within our own selves. So when we, when we look inside and we see more of our own selves and we start to discover more of our own selves, even if we spend 15 minutes a day minimum upon our own self-discovery, but the thing is that you're not going to do that and no one's going to do that if they don't trust in the process that they have. So if I was to say, go and discover yourself, people will, well, where do I start? What do I do? How do I do that? And see, every level of intelligence or, you know, inspiration always comes back to the how-to. And I suppose for me that's, you know, getting past theories and, and I think a lot of teaching comes down to just, you know, passing on theories and stories to others. Where to me, independence is about teaching people how to so they don't need you anymore. So once you understand, first of all, how to achieve, you know, communication with yourself, once you can do that, then you become independent because you no longer require someone else to start giving you the information. You can develop that source within yourself. Now, that's not something, we can all do that already. Our ability to discern which voice is which is a very difficult thing. But it's an extremely powerful thing. So it, it can take, you know, it can take five minutes, which I've always shown that people can start speaking to that. But the trust of that and, and the letting go of and the releasing of all the other intoxication that we've taken on, you know, that's what the practice and the skill becomes. And it's developing a structure, you know, and an organized structure of how we organize information because that's everything in life is energy which is ultimately information that has come to us if we don't know what to do with i'll give you an example here because sometimes these are considered great things like when we become inspired by an idea sometimes we get so excited that we stop everything we're doing and we, you know we chase this idea and it's going to be amazing it's going to be brilliant but the thing is, if you observe when ideas come, the majority of them come when you're in the process of completing something else. When you're right about to do something, to launch something, to create something, to do or be, suddenly an emergency or an inspiration appears. And it's recognising that when these things come, these are the habits we've had in the past that we don't complete things. Because when we complete things in life, we move forward. When we are able to release our attention from something, Rather than having, if you consider in your life how many things you started but are incomplete, that is a condition that we all fall under. But you know, I would say is the basis of sickness as well. Is all the burden and everything we're carrying because we haven't yet completed. When we complete something, that is where we start to feel freedom. I mean, consider it just a simple thing from a footstep. If you're on one foot and you step and take a foot, you step forward, but you haven't yet put your foot down and you start to do something else, you're going to fall over. Now, it's not until we complete and then we get onto the solid ground and we feel that ground that we then feel confident enough to take the next step. Eventually, that becomes a, a, you know, a habit. So it's the same thing when we're learning in our own life is that we need to, when an idea comes in, more often than not, it's there to distract us from the habit of completing and moving forward because when we complete something, we are now open for judgment. We're now open for rejection. We are now putting something forward that someone can say, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. You're going in the wrong way. You should be going this way. Give me more attention. Why are you doing that? And that's, there's this avoidance of completion in 
life. And it's to me, from going deep into a lot of I suppose, spiritual practices, my focus has become to give people an understanding of the information and the words that they're using each day to empower them to recognize that, you know, you know uh, I think a lot of this type of conversation gets caught up in something called knowing that a lot of people aspire to, to have knowing. And to me, the real state of knowing is what you don't understand. So for you and I, Valeria, we, we don't, we could, we could talk about you know, deep concepts and insights and whatever it may be, but we would know them. If we understood them, we wouldn't be talking about them because they would be a part of us, they'd be integrated, and we would do that, and it would emulate from us. So it's the same thing that if we understood love, if we were able to love the parts of ourselves that we didn't appreciate, that we uh, had, had dismissed and pushed away, if we were able to love that and accept that, what then happens by default is we love those around us because that is the natural thing that is flowing through us. We can't have hate, judgment for ourselves and then expect to have love for others because, and that's what happens when we start to do that by default, we start to love and we start to present that to others. But it's what's really important to understand that when you really love yourself, when you're really resonant of yourself, it's not often and not always received openly and welcomingly from other people. Many people want to receive you when you're sad, when you're troubled, when they can fix you and they can feel valuable. But when you are self-actualized, when you are complete within yourself, you become a problem to many people because you represent something that they don't have, that they may be envious of, that they don't want to have to look at themselves in the same way. Like, who does she think she is? I can know that saying that. When you have love for yourself, you start to provide an example to others that they may not want. You start to provide an example to, and you can, from that, if you choose to love yourself, you need to be prepared to let go of the things that don't serve you. And sometimes those things that don't serve you are the things that you've cherished for so long, someone you've known for a long period of time. And so the ability to love another and yourself, it's one thing, it's not two things. You know, we, our ability to present ourselves and what a teacher Lyman said is years ago to say, uh, when you bring your privates public, then you have mastered your life. And that's, to me, it's something that, um, you know, we challenge people to, to get out in front of others and talk without explanation, you know, to share their darkness and allow that judgment to be gone. But I know that this, to me, there's, there's so much in this particular space about um, self-expression and the freedom to be able to do that. It's not something that we can just start doing. It's not by mistake that people fear speaking in front of others more than death, as it said. It's um, the, the very capacity to be able to have a resonance come through us and share that in front of others with confidence is a significant skill because, and that's something that I suggest needs to be practiced, and that's, you know, to me, we, we, we teach a lot of confronting and, and empowering practices that allow people to move forward by themselves beyond any disease or condition. I mean, that, that's just a... It just, to me, I, I used to be excited by overcoming disease and those types of things, and I, and I see the pain that people go through, but these types of things are just 
the speed bumps along the road to discovering ourselves. The only reason we're ever sick is because we're denying ourselves. But what self-expression is that when we start to do that, we have to embrace all the lies that we've gone through. So to get to a particular point to do that, it's not about a you know a weekend course. It's not about writing on a script. It's about the ability to understand and be true in that particular moment to the people that exist around us the most. And that's why it's so hard to do with our loved ones and the ones we spend the most time with because they're the ones that have seen the most of our lives and they're the ones that we've made the most stories up about. They're the ones we judge the most because it's what we do to ourselves. So it doesn't matter how advanced we are, how brilliant we are, we all have it. We all, um, and I think this is, we work with a lot of, high-end coaches and look they, they present an amazing experience and, and change people's lives in a very powerful way but the thing that most confronts them is they continue to think that they're a hoax or they're a fraud they doubt themselves because the very nature of these things are brilliant in someone's life but we only consider and fear doubt in our lives like if i was just someone came to say i'm really doubting myself the, the natural response would be well, that's not a good thing. You know, like you need to get past this doubt. But the fact is with doubt, doubt can only exist when we look to improve a situation. When we move into a place that we haven't been before, the very nature of doubt is a, is a great indication and significance of our growth. And when we can recognise that when I'm in doubt, I've now I've got an amazing opportunity to move forward. We can change the very organisation of our own life and we can start to have love, not as something that we aspire to, just as something that we are. We don't need to, uh, I don't believe in focusing on let's be more loving or let's be more gracious or let's be more this. The thing is when we're just our own self, all of those things happen effortlessly and they do so in such a unique way, but it takes a time and a transition to allow ourselves to really see what we truly are not what we've learned, not what a doctor told us, not what someone we've elevated into some space because they're smarter or more intelligent than us, but to recognise and take the responsibility that there is no one that is more educated, more learned, more insightful, more intelligent on the subject of me than me. And when I can start to trust that and when I can develop also an understanding of how to navigate, how to work with, then I can confidently and openly you know, explore that, develop that, and move through it, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I love what you just said. There's no one out there that's more experienced or knowledgeable about me than me. I'm the expert of myself. Uh, that's so true. And we doubt that a lot of times. You're right. Would you like to say anything, add anything before I ask you my final questions? You know, um, I think it's always an interesting thing that when you embrace something and you bring it into your embrace, you like become one with that person or that thing that you're embracing. It's then that you can start to understand it. And, you know, this is just a small insight, I would say, that's, that's really powerful because it's, it's so difficult to do. But it's only because we're so conditioned and everyone around us is so conditioned and we're chosen to be conditioned by others because we're not looking into ourselves. But the point being that when someone's angry, and when you're angry, embrace it. Like actually intend to bring more of that anger out, bring more of the frustration on and really feel it because you trust yourself to move through it. When you're in your ego or when life is challenging and coming running towards you with all the you know, drama and trauma and everything in life, 
embrace it because it's only when you embrace it and accept its existence that you can have an impact on changing it. But for most of us, like what you're saying, it's like, hey, don't do mean to them. Hey, you've got to share. Hey, don't do this. Be good. Do that. And the problem is those things that remain unexpressed. And, and, and I, I, I would say that this is, you know, if when one of the greatest misunderstandings that I observe is that when we are strong as people, as a being, it's not when we are strong, we allow ourselves to purge and release toxicity from our life, whether that's physically or energetically. When we are not strong, when we are compromised, when we are under stress, when we are pulled apart, you know, and stress is nothing more than that, but, but there's two parts of you that are going in different directions and you're in the middle and able to make a decision. So when we're experiencing that, we don't have a capacity in, in stress to release and let go because we don't want to make a decision. Now, what happens in our life when we are moving forward, what happens is all of our shit, if I can say that, comes to the surface. And when we see it and re-see it again, what we tend to do is deny it and push it away and we suppress it back within us. Now, our ability to observe the most evil, dark, sinister, ugly thing coming out of us and through us is our ability to recognise and acknowledge our own growth. Now, that's not just a matter of saying this is what I'm going to do. There's, there's an understanding and practice to go through with that. But just to be present to that in the first place, to recognise that what's coming up is not yours. It's what you're letting go of. And that particular bit, to not make excuses for your sadness, to not make excuses for... Because I know next week I'm doing a, a process and challenging myself where I'm going to go on without explanation and just start speaking out into uh, social media about my feelings and where I'm going through and what I'm doing in my life and, you know, and purge as if I was doing it in a private space. And the thing is, what I, what I know from that is the amount of people that will call me to ask, am I okay? You know, is everything all right? Are you, are you, it'll be all right. And that's the very nature of why so many of us don't share because of, this, you know, how people are going to judge us. And it's, we need, it's, it's, it's not just an okay, it's essential that we learn how to express ourselves, um, that we do so not randomly, not in a tense up, in, a, in an aggressive way, but that we need to do it each day. This is, you know, we're talking about viruses and stuff going around in, in life. A virus is a release of toxicity from the cells, and it's a purge, and it's what allows us to become healthy and stronger. And we do this in our, if we, you know, we do this physically each day, you know, from perspiration to, to background of us and to all of these things that, that are moving in a perfect balance in our life. We have a cargo within us, you know, like a soul, if you want to call it, the sun or whatever it may be, that exists. It's our ability to be able to release and allow the stuff that we've taken on to allow ourselves to be seen internally. And it's that release that if we're not doing each and every day, we start taking on the identity of how we're seen by others, not what we really are. And this is, um, to me, the basic practices of expression and there's some writing practices that we can do that you know, done in the right way can have a profound difference in our own life, mainly because we don't understand how they work. And that's um, 
you know, part of the irony of people looking to be taught something is they want to understand the teaching before they actually do it, which negates the fact that the teaching actually has any validity in the first place. If you can understand the teaching that you're about to go through, well, it's going to have no impact. It's only just recounting what you've already done. And to be able to make real change is to be able to do something that you don't understand, to trust within yourself that you want to make a difference and a change beyond what you already know. Most of the time that when we go to move forward, we find something that we're comfortable with. In order to move forward, you have to go somewhere that you have not been previously. You cannot do it from the same place and the same height. And the very irony of that is that you have to be uncomfortable in your Do not start to look for things in life when you're looking to make a change and expect yourself to feel good about it because all you're doing is the same thing. And then when, you know, something goes bad, we suggest to ourselves that they made the right decision. You make the right decision, you'll find any evidence to justify staying where you are. Uh, that's the very nature of life. But to step in and do something that is going to make you uncomfortable, which means shaking the tree up a little bit, it's... And our ability to navigate our darkness by definition determines that it's no longer darkness. The darkness is not something evil, it's just something that is not understood yet. Our light and this whole idea of working with light is probably one of the most evil concepts that if we actually start to understand it, is light is where we've already been. Light is about control and it's about continually doing stuff that we already know and are already consistently doing to, to build our ego, not to understand our wisdom. Light comes from the liberation of darkness. We don't, it's, it's kind of like saying, I'm going to be, to be happy, I'm going to go and be happy. I'm going to talk about being happy and I'm going to tell myself I'm happy. To be happy is when we overcome sadness, when we overcome challenge, when we overcome grief. It's been going through those things that are opposing of happiness. So if we want light in our life, we need to be able to navigate and move through the darkness. So those that, you know, we, we've probably got to make a choice in our life that sometimes do we want to create a change or do we want to be changed by others? And when we can be conscious of that and we can be content that I'm here to be changed by others, I'm happy for everyone else to make decisions for me, I'm not going to complain and that's my, you know, that's my mentality and I'm great with that and I'm happy with that. But if we uh, of the nature of, you know, genuine existence and, and creation that we want to make a difference when we experience our own life, we need to start to recognise in order to do that, we need to start to do things that continually allow us to change and grow and not look for someone else to be our saviour, but to start to understand how we can do that for ourselves. Right, right. I absolutely love this um, concept, a wonderful suggestion but like you said, beautifully said, if people decide to live a different life and just go by the rules of others, and that's okay too. <laughs> you have this profound understanding that life is just, uh, it is what it is. It's not black or white, good or bad. It just is, and it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As you choose it to be. Um, if you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? No, not at all. You know, I probably, knowing myself, I probably challenge the fact that that's actually true because it's, um, I, I, would look, I would seek to understand that. And I, I would say once upon a time I was fearful of dying, but, but I'm not fearful of dying. I'm, I probably at times challenge myself to be living more and that that's the greater challenge or the fear for me that 
you know, sometimes scares me is that I'm not living, you know, a true life. And uh, I've realised how much that and how easily you can become imprisoned by what you think other people think. And it's kind of that irony. <laughs> I, want to, I want to help people out. What do you want to do? I want to just help other people out. But what do other people want? Well, I don't know. But I'm going to help them out. And the thing is, 99% of us don't know what we want, but yet there's a, there's a queue of people that want to help us. And the irony is it's, you know, we need to just help ourselves. I mean, um, we can get past the concept of needing to all come together as one. And this is a, one of the greatest fallacies, I believe, of modern teaching. We need to come to, I mean, everyone's trying to come together as one, but I don't see people coming together as one. And that's a common thing that people don't understand because, Coming together as one is first you need to be independent. If you don't understand your own independence, your own purpose, your own self and your ability to be you know, accepting of others, you will never come together as one. Now, what, what we have is leadership of people that can scribe and dictate to others what they're going to do because they're not prepared to make decisions for themselves. The very nature of you know, this idea of common unity and community is a very dissolution of someone's sole true purpose to be audacious to be real, to be authentic, to be raw, and to be unpredictable in life, not to be subjected to, you know, even in the most nurturing of relationships that are, you know, a husband and a wife, you know, the, the nature of that is should be freedom, first of all, is that, you know, when we start to see a reliance upon another, then we can start to realise where we're subjecting ourselves to our own limitations. And there's... Um, all of this can sound like a lot of work, but the thing is, it's a lot of work for someone who refuses to do that. But when you start to just practice your life in this way, you don't know any different. It just becomes a habit that you start to embrace, you know, like a child wanting to test how far you can jump or over the, the creek and you know, go into places that you've never been before, explore, do things different. No rules. You know, adults, you know, I don't think it's by mistake the word adults means to be compromised or adulted. Um, and I think that's what many of us have become in our later years is we become a result of what other people expect of us. Um, and that's where, you know, where death is. And, and maybe, like many people have in the, in the face of cancer, is that they rediscover their life because they, it's the first time in their life they give themselves enough attention to push away all of these false priorities that they've created this purpose that they've created, this busyness that they've created. So if um, I think everyone should confront every day the fact that they're going to die, that it's a matter of how they're going to live and make a habit of that without needing to satisfy anyone else, which by default they end up doing anyway and becoming an inspiration to others because they're different, because they maintain their own uh, truth and purpose through that. Yeah, yeah, and that is true living, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't believe in death in that in that sense, right? I mean, losing the body, yeah, but what's the point of having a body in the human experience opportunity and not really embodying this, um, yeah, living in the moment and authentically, right? Yeah, I was thinking of this, uh, that I like is humor. Um, is you said, you know, why are you worrying about dying? The thing is, we're dying, you don't even know. That you like it's you're not aware of it's only painful for other people, and you know we, we fear so much. I think it's like everything. We don't fear sharks, but we fear the thoughts of sharks. We don't fear 
you know, the fire, we feel the thought of the fire. Like it's, um, we have greater awareness than all these self-constructed times of disconnection in our life where our mind starts telling us why, why we need to be safe and secure rather than being free and liberated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my last question, what are three things about life that you know for sure as of now? Um, that I know for sure that, that everything that I start is going to begin from a place of challenge or chaos. And I, I don't see that as a problem. I see that as a, that I'm present to what's coming. So the chaos will always be a starting point. And to me, that's just something not being organized to its greatest extent. And that chaos might be something that's, it might be joyous, it might be brilliant, but it is definitely not the way that it's, um, that it's demonstrating its fullest expression. Um, I know that, um, I may never understand, um, myself in this lifetime ever. And another thing that I know to be true is, well, that I'm the only one that's responsible for my happiness, for my life, for my joy, for everything that I have. The way that I feel about others, the way I think about others, um, the way I think that they think about me, you know, that is all only determined by me. That's powerful and so true. <laughs> yeah, we are the only ones who can, um, yeah, we can experience this life in a wonderful way or not. <laughs> we are responsible for it, right? Absolutely. Mm, yeah. It has been an interesting interview and thank you so much for your presence, your wisdom, the deep wisdom. Thank you, Jason. No, thank you so much. Thank you for beautiful words, Valeria, and, um, and again, the opportunity to, to share. Thank you. And my last, last technical question, where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? Okay. Um, we've been around for about 20 years, but we haven't advertised at all. We've only just started to get on to um, making this available to the public. Um, and the best way to get in contact with us at the moment is through the Quantum Movement Facebook page. Um, and, and that has an opportunity to start to follow us, but as of in a, and this may be a little bit after them track, but um, as of next week, we will be opening up for um, starting to teach people how to employ and how to uh, introduce these types of experiences into their life, you know, as little as five to ten minutes a day. Um, so, yeah, the Quantum Movement Facebook page, there's a number of other interviews and information on there, but that's probably the best place at this stage. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Jason, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Bye for now. Bye, Jason. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jason Reynolds, please email him at jason at thequantummovement.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.